Tressa. I'm Taylor. And, and we, we are, are not amused. amused. Today we will be reviewing the movie The Man Who Knew Too Much, 1934, directed by Alfred Hitchcock. Yeah. Another we're Hitchcock. Do the whole episode in a British accent. Please no. <laughs> Maybe one of these days when we're much braver, there will be some outtakes of the beginning of this <laughs> recording, which was cut off for all of your sakes but is us doing many weird things in british accents and <laughs> and that's a fact because trust is editing this episode it's so. horrid so <laughs> one of these days maybe you'll you'll get to hear that little snippet little outtake mm. but not today you just get to hear us being ourselves lucky you mm-hmm. okay okay before we talk about the movie, let's talk about what tea we're drinking today. It is both of us are drinking teas from Europe that yep. we got over in our Ljubljana Airbnb. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I am drinking the current and Aronia tea. I don't know what Aronia is. Um, also, I should note that the front of this tea package says <clears throat> the freshness of currant and aronia as the flavor. It's very specific. Aronia is a chokeberry. That sounds healthy. From the Rose family. God. <laughs> She's not backing down on the accent thing. <laughs> Okay, in my defense, we were talking about Rose from Doctor Who when we were doing our accents. That's true. That's true. Um, If I were to try to say this in what I would assume is Slovenian Mm -hmm. slash Slovene, it would be (laughs) Svezina, Ribeza, and whatever and is, Aronie. Aronie. Um, and that is why they didn't let us stay in Slovenia. <laughs> That's why we came home. Because they said, how dare you? <laughs> and please leave our country. So, anyway, I'm drinking that. What are you drinking, Taylor? Um, I'm drinking Magic Cranberry. That's nice. <laughs> is there a slovenian you know there isn't you know there wow how lucky (laughs) it's funny too because our teas are actually the same brand so it's really interesting that uh hers wouldn't have uh anything written in uh the native language the brand is 1001 svet that was pretty good svet svet okay well in the language (laughs) it's probably (laughs) Charobina Brusnikia. <laughs> See, I feel like yours was much easier than mine. So, okay. y- yes. You, well, you, first of all, you had two words. I had three. One of them was and. No, no, no. Oh. <laughs> there were three words total. Oh. And the and. Well, magic cranberry. <laughs> I just want to know what's magic about it. Um, did you read this thing about their, their tea packets? I did, but you can read it out loud because okay. <laughs> my tea packet is now far away on a table. It says, we want you to fully enjoy 1001 Svet Tea. That is why we provided aroma wrappers that preserve scent and flavor of each tea until the moment of preparation. 
All you have to do is relax and enjoy. And my tea had to steep for eight minutes. So did mine. That's so long. I think they're both, um, like, herbal teas, you know, since they're fruit. So I'm guessing Mm. that they want you to steep it for a little while so you get the flavor. Mm. That's my guess, anyway. I also looked up Aronia, and there's something that says, What do chokeberries taste like? Okay. If you want to hear. Sure, I'm curious. This person said, the short answer is that Aronia has a unique, distinctive flavor profile that I describe as a complex tongue-puckering combination of a very tart apple, an unsweetened black cherry, and a very dry red wine. Those are so many things. (laughs) That's a lot of flavor options. So I'm going to leave this up and see... If you got any of those notes <laughs> at the end of the episode. Okay. Okay. So, want to dive in to the man who knew too much. Dun, dun, dun. Do you know which man that was? I'm going to assume it was the father. The father? Okay. Yeah. Because the bad guy is on the cover. <laughs> I know, but it's also <laughs> Peter Lorre. He's like the face everyone knows. Dude, so I'm sure I've seen him in other things, but what was driving me insane was I was like, where do I know him from? And then finally it was like, oh, doesn't the genie turn into him at one point when he's like going through the wishes that like I can't bring anyone back from the dead? Doesn't he like turn into him? You know, yeah, I didn't think about that, but my mind automatically goes to the cartoon version of him from the Bugs Bunny. Ah. Uh, I don't remember... I don't remember. He's in some castle. And I think I know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, there's like a cartoon and I just remember being watched, he says. And you like hear Peter Laurie <laughs> over the monitor who's been like watching Bugs Bunny going through this castle. I haven't seen it in a long time, but that was my about. first interaction with Peter Laurie. So he's kind of the star of this movie. Oh, wait, maybe it's not him. Maybe he just does his voice. I don't know. Or I'm crazy. Or it could be. Yeah, I'm not sure. It sort of kind of looks like him. The thing about Peter Laurie is he's just plays creepy characters. So anything mm-hmm. that's even slightly creepy, you could associate with him. So Right. Yeah. Okay, so The Man Who Knew Too Much, the man who knew too much. is a 1934 British film noir also a political thriller, according to this Wikipedia article. <laughs> it's directed by Alfred Hitchcock, of course, um, known for starring um, Leslie Banks, which is the dad, and Peter Lorre. And fun fact, Leslie Banks was, like, known for all his villain roles. Okay? Oh. He played the dad. Which I didn't get it all. But if you look him up, there's, like, pictures mm. of him with, like, the villain, like, beard, the pointy mm-hmm. beard, and the big eyebrows. <laughs> is that why in the beginning, when the first thing, like, the first person got shot, and he was like, I don't know anything about it, or whatever, you were like, hmm, I'm sure you don't, husband. <gasps> well, I hadn't looked that up yet, about who uh. Leslie Banks was, but I just... You know, when you're that early on in the film, you're like, oh, sure you don't. You know, like, I'm suspecting everybody at the beginning. I'm like, it's a plot. And he had his daughter kidnapped on purpose. You know. Yeah. Anyway. I don't know. So this movie came before the 1956 remake 
uh, of the same name featuring um, Jimmy Stewart and Doris Day. Uh, and I think there's a really interesting uh, quote about it that was in this book, Hitchcock Truffaut. Um, and Hitchcock about both of these movies said, let's say the first version is a work of a talented amateur and the second was made by a professional. So I think his American version is the more crisp, like, in his, in Hitchcock's mind, like, the definitive version. This mm-hmm. is kind of the test run. Mm. So I thought that was a little interesting. Makes mm-hmm. me want to watch the remake again. Yeah. Now that I've seen the OG. There's also um, a book published in 1922 called The Man Who Knew Too Much, however, is not the same plot. Oh. So... But I Just guess another man who knew Hitchcock too much. used the title um, because he held the film rights for some of the stories in the book. Oh. Yeah. So it was like he also kind of owned the right to the title. Hmm. Really strange. Yeah. So, anywho, it was one of the most successful films of Hitchcock's British period. So the movie starts out with Bob and Jill Lawrence, and they are in switzerland on vacation and we thought it was germany because i feel like we were talking in german they were all talking in german yeah i i don't know they're in switzerland though they made that clear later on Mm -hmm. (laughs) um they are there with their daughter betty and uh they have a friend with them either that or they meet him on vacation louis i assume they met him on vacation yeah so they met him there and he was also staying at the hotel um and we begin with like a sort of skiing competition yeah of sorts but it also seems like at first i thought maybe it was a real like they were professional athletes but i think it was just like a fun hey we're on vacation at a hotel thing who wants to compete yeah i was confused on what was happening because the mom was also in a competition yeah like a shooting competition yeah apparently she was a sharpshooter something which i thought was kind of funny mm-hmm. i was like for the time right like that doesn't seem typical yeah but but so she it was weird it's i don't know the peter we see peter laurie right away he gets like almost hit by a skier or something i don't know yeah. I was watching the whole thing, and I couldn't tell you what happened. Like, Betty was holding a dog that jumped out of her arms, and she watched it jump out of her arms, and then she just kind of stared at it for a while, and then waited until the skier was close to then run out and get the dog from in front of the skier, which caused him to crash, and I assume crash into the group standing there. Yeah. Which included Peter Laurie. Yeah, but then I, like, didn't see him get up from the group when everyone was, like, dusting snow off of them. So I don't really know what happened. Anyway, we just get, like, a glimpse. We assume he's another guest at the hotel. Like, the parents are there, and they're like, Betty, goddammit, (laughs) why would you (laughs) walk, you know, do that Mm -hmm. for the dog? And she was like, you know, had to save him or whatever. Right. So... Um, and that's all we get of Peter Laurie, and then he just kind of sulks into the background. And you're like, okay. Of course, knowing the actor, I assumed he was, like, a bad guy. Just didn't know in what capacity yet. Um, 
So anyway, the shooting competition is also going down sort of adjacent to the skiing competition. Mm -hmm. And it looks like it's just the mom Mm -hmm. and this other guy. And they are shooting targets. um, And the mom misses, unfortunately, because her daughter's yakking. (laughs) Well, it's funny because, like, her daughter comes up and talks to her before she even shoots. Like, they have a conversation, and then Betty walks away, and then the mom misses, and she's like, oh, She Betty. ruined my concentration. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know. But her mom misses, and the other guy hits his target, and so they're kind of like, ah, uh, you know, friendly competition, like, good job, good try. and Never have children. Yeah, they'll ruin your, <laughs> they'll make you lose everything. <laughs> oh, and so then Lewis comes over, and he was the skier, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Lewis comes over and, like, kind of steals the wife away, but, like, in a playful way. Mm -hmm. And uh, to be honest with you, I thought there was, like, yeah, I figured he was gay, and it was, like, a joke kind of among the group, like, ha ha, I'm Mm -hmm. stealing your wife, ha 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 ha, you know. (laughs) Right. And then the dad says this funny thing that was, like, you beat my wife, and now she's run off with another man. How dare you, sir? <laughs> yeah. Very playful. Like, it's a very playful dialogue there, which I thought was funny. Yeah, so all of these people who were involved in the assassination plot were at the hotel at the beginning. Mm-hmm. We get glimpses of them here and there. We just don't realize who they are yet. Right. Um, so they go to this dance in the evening, and the daughter, Betty, like, begs to be there. And, of course, her dad is, like, at first is, like, "Mm -mm. you know, you need to be in bed. But then somehow she convinces him, and the mother has brought knitting with her. Well, he was, like, well, go ask your mom. And that's what she runs up to ask her mom right before her mom shoots. Yeah. And it's, like, okay. So she convinces mom to let her go to dinner, but also the mom brought her knitting to the dinner. And then there's this whole thing where the dad, maybe out of some sort of, like, jealousy, like... Is like, here, Betty, give me mom's knitting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then they, like, unravel it and attach it to her, the mom, as they're dancing. And so they end up, like, getting intertwined with all the other dancers and getting, like, tripped up. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of funny. I don't really get what the point of that was. No, because also it looked like every time they showed the dad and the daughter at the table, the dad looked like he was asleep. And the daughter was just watching it Yeah, unravel. so not every... And I was like, what is going on? I don't know. They're just doing it just because? Just... Because, I don't know. I mean, I think I missed how it got attached to Louie. And so, I think I wasn't watching at that point. And so, I just assumed it was, like, accidentally. But the dad, like, placed it on him. Oh, I purposely. thought it was intentional, but... Oh, well, I, I, I didn't see how it happened. So. I don't know. I, I don't... It's, like, really not important to the movie. No, I, I <laughs> think about that and I'm like, it's kind of a funny element. Yeah. You know, and I can, like, I don't think I've ever, like, seen that before used as like any kind of plot device but this also wasn't a plot device it was just like oh here's the thing that happened at the dance that wasn't just dancing because right after that a bullet comes through the window and lewis is shot and he's literally the most calm person i've ever seen upon getting shot it happened and honestly when it happened what i thought happened was the bullet zoomed past the two of them on the dance floor Mm mm-hmm and, like, was supposed to hit someone else. Because I feel like they both kind of, like, looked in the direction it would have gone. I mean, I could see that happening. 
you know, in yeah. a split second before you realize you've been shot yeah. or something. And then I realized it was because he apologized. I'm sorry. He literally, like, his suit jacket comes off. And first of all, I was kind of impressed by this, the, the effect. Like, yeah. the blood stain was getting whiter. Yeah. You know. Um, and so he, like, pulls the suit jacket off and he's like, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, sir, you're the one who got, you didn't, it's not like you shot someone. Right. You just got shot. So he is dying in the middle of the dance floor, which not a lot of people seem to notice. And nope. um, he pulls the mom, Jill, aside and he says, he basically tells her where to find a note intended for the British consul mm-hmm. and then dies. And then she mm-hmm. goes and tells Bob, her mm-hmm. husband. Um, Bob runs up to the hotel room. Louis had given them the key. Mm-hmm. And runs up there, and Louie's like, it's in the brush in my bathroom. And he, like, kind of unscrews the brush, and this, like, note is in there. I don't remember exactly what it says, Mm-mm. but I don't know it said a place, which was whopping. Mm-hmm. Like, was it Scotland, maybe? I don't know. A, a place, part of London? A name. Yeah. Wapping? W-A-P-P-I-N-G. Oh, Wapping is a district in East London. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's just a district in London. That makes sense. So it's got a place, and then it's, like, two names. It's, like, something Gordon meet a um, hall or something like that. Royal Albert Hall. Yeah, I know. It was Royal mm-hmm. Albert Hall, but I d- didn't remember, like, what the what it said. Because it wasn't fully... It looked like a name at first. It was, like, R. Albert, I think. Ah. Uh. So it wasn't obvious that it was a place. You think it's two names. Okay. And then there's like a date, October 21st or something like that. So that's all we get. Um, We don't really know what it is, but apparently it was really important. And Mm -hmm. so there's all these people in the hotel trying to find him. What did you find in his room? And he's like, nothing. Mm -hmm. He's getting interrogated. The wife's getting interrogated. And they're like, we have to interrogate you apart. Mm -hmm. And he's like, no, I need to talk to my wife. Mm -hmm. Somebody hands him a note. Yeah, who that was, was just that? like like a. I think that was just a front desk worker. Oh, okay. Who was given the note and told to get it to him immediately? Yeah. He gets the note, and of course, there's all this chaos going on. So like, we don't see Betty. Well, no, she was sent to her room like, after the dad realized that Louis was shot. Yeah. He was like, "Go to your room. So go to sleep." She's not in the dance, like, she's not in she's the not dance hall them. anymore. She's yeah. not in the hotel, like, she's not with her dad exploring the hotel. Yeah. She's just out of the picture. And then yep. the next time we hear about her is through this note, which yep. he sees, and that basically says, like, if you tell anyone what you know, you'll never see your daughter again. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, he barges in, he shows it to his wife. Mm-hmm. And then she quickly burns it. Mm-hmm. No, he burns he it. He burns it. He takes it because she passes yeah. out. Because she's about to, she swoons because of course she does. So they burn that. And of course, there's, I think at that point we cut to Betty in the car with yeah, the man, for just like a the minute. sharpshooter yeah. guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she's clearly been kidnapped. Mm-hmm. And we don't know where they're going or what's what's really going on because the note I feel like at that point isn't obvious what it is. It's just clear that it's like crucial information about oh what the one he found in the brush. Bad guys are yeah. gonna do. 
So then, like, we we're in London at what their house, I would assume. And yeah. And the couple is there, and there's, like, a family friend playing with this train set with Jill. Yeah. Jill's very distraught about her daughter. I think... I don't know what they were exactly talking about with the train set. That also seemed irrelevant. Mm-hmm. But she was also alluding to how her daughter never had the chance to play with it, which is sad, you know. So, yeah. Um, gives her a little moment. And then there's, like, a police officer guy that comes in to talk to the husband, and he's like, I'm Secret Service. And then we find out, so was Louie. Mm-hmm. And then he goes to explain exactly what the letter was not letter but like thing in the brush that mm-hmm. the dad found yeah and i guess it was some sort of assassination attempt mm-hmm. on somebody in the government ish that was going yeah. to happen his name starts with an r yeah and i he had not louis had uncovered it probably because i mean he was he was probably staying at the hotel literally keeping an eye on these people yeah who had the assassination attempt planned yep um but he dies before he has the chance to tell anyone about it. Right. Um, and the couple is like, if we tell you what we know, they're going to kill our daughter. Right. And the guy, like, kind of brings up a good point where he's like, let's think back to World War One, And what started World War One was the assassination of Ferdinand. Mm-hmm. And he was nobody that anyone knew, but that's what sparked an entire world war. So he said, it's crucial we stop this. And I kind of sat there and I was like, okay, that's valid. I get that. <laughs> but they're still not going to, like, they're not going to endanger their daughter's life. No. Like, but this is a fair point that he made. Yeah. But, like, during this conversation, they get a phone call. Yeah. From the kidnappers. Mm-hmm. And they're like, just a reminder, if you tell that man anything that you found, we're going to kill your daughter. Yep. So. Just a reminder. Just, I think she just say, just a final warning. Yeah. It's very dark and sinister. Yeah. So, obviously, they're not going to say anything. Mm-mm. And the mom is, like, distraught. She's on the phone with Betty. Mm-hmm. They let Betty talk to her for, like, a second. And, of course, she's speaking to her, like, asking her all these questions. And the dad is like, ask her where she is. I know. And we're sitting there, like, like she's like she's going, the criminals are going to let Betty say that. tell you where she is. That's not going to. Or like, even though there's a chance she knows where she is. Oh, yeah. She probably, it was, like, a probably a bag over the head situation. Yeah. Like, she shouldn't know where she is. No. But, like. I felt like the mom, I feel like throughout the whole thing, honestly, had very effective acting moments. Mm-hmm. You could tell she was just like, no, I want to talk to my daughter and get as much out of this conversation as I can, because who knows, it might be her last conversation with her. Mm-hmm. So she was like, not ready to ask, where are you? Because mm-hmm. she knew that would be like, that would be it. They would cut off the phone call. Yeah. Ugh. Which they did. And they did. <sighs> wow. What a shocker. I know. I'm so surprised. I know. Okay, so, um, basically the police are like, if you're not going to help us, we're not going to help you, mm-hmm. like, find your daughter, um, and so Bob and Jill 
Um, according to Wikipedia, this says um, in England, Bob and Jill discovered that um, the group led by Abbott have hired Ramon to kill a European head of state during a concert at Royal Albert Hall. Mm-hmm. This, like, happens over the course of... There's a lot of things that lead up to this. Mm-hmm. He, like, the husband goes with his friend Clive. Clive. Poor Clive. Poor Clive. Like, honestly. Ooh. Poor Clive. They go to um, who they they know they need to be in Wapping, and uh-huh. they know they have to go to A. Gordon. And so they find this dentist, and his last name is Gordon, and his first initial is A, and they're like, all right, well, how many A. Gordons can there be? And I'm like, a lot, but turns out they were right. Yeah. And they go in there being like, oh, yeah, my friend has a toothache, and then <laughs> Clive goes in first. Uh-huh. <laughs> and he's screaming, and we think something's happening, but it turns out the dentist has just ripped a out tooth. a tooth that he said aches. And then the husband is like, okay, my turn. And I'm like, why would you not just go in first? Right. Why did you just make your friend lose a tooth for that? For no reason. God. Yeah. So he goes in there and they have a little bit of a struggle, but he does this really smart thing where he, like, gets the dentist pinned down and gives them the laughing gas or whatever. And then takes his uniform. And that way he can see the people who are supposed to be meeting Mm-hmm. At this location. Yeah, because... On the paper that he got. One of them, which was Peter Lorre. Yeah, but of course. he came in while Bob was in the chair. Yeah, like as the patient. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then he switches. And it's the sharpshooter guy uh-huh. who comes in next. And we're like, we know who this is. Mm-hmm. And they, they say a thing that about Betty... Yeah. Like the sharpshooter guy is like, where's the little girl? And Peter Laurie is like, in a hole in the ground somewhere. Uh-huh. And I'm like, and like the dad, there's like barely any reaction from him. Right. And I'm like, does that not mean she's dead? <laughs> what? You know. Yeah. I mean, they continued to talk about her, about how she was like really sweet or whatever. Mm-hmm. And like not past tense. So maybe he was like, oh, okay. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So, basically, he uses this moment to, like, he knows these people have his daughter, and so he runs down to Clive, who's outside, and he's like, okay, which direction did they go? We have to follow them. Yep. Um, and they get to this, like, church. And I guess. It was like, my theory is that this group that has this, the assassination attempt is some sort of maybe religious kind of nuts. Like really crazy religious people because they seemed the woman who was like leading the ceremony I don't know she like hypnotizes Clive Mm -hmm. they do they have this whole singing moment that was really strange yeah I guess I just kind of assumed they were just using the church as a cover I feel like everyone in the church was like going along with it though Because they literally said, if you're not in the fourth circle, something, something, you should leave. Yeah. And, like, everyone's like, yeah, sure, okay. Good idea. I don't want to see crime happen. Hmm. I don't know. 
except for the one lady the organ player who like held a gun to bob and was like oh your friend's hypnotized you're just gonna leave him yeah but then later she was like i want to get home to my husband because i don't want to be involved in anything i was like lady you are deep in (laughs) what are you doing (laughs) yeah god i don't know i yeah i just saw as them trying to use it as a cover but that would make sense i suppose if it was like some religious because you know like when the police come later they can just act like they're just a regular church yeah sure well, there's this, um, once Bob starts to, like, um, fight, there's this, the great chair fighting scene. Oh, yeah, that was really good. Honestly, that was funny. <laughs> like, the chair fighting was wild, and I think my favorite part was that these, the two women who were in this group, um, the one lady turns to the other, and she's like, they're gonna hear all the chairs breaking outside, you better play that <laughs> yeah. organ. <laughs> yeah. And of course, something that we've noticed with these old movies is the lack of, like, score. Mm-hmm. Um, except for, like, during the transition phases or whatever, right? right? <laughs> and like, the scene, for example, with the dentist. With the dentist where they're struggling and it's, like, s- it, feels it feels like slow, slow. motion. It feels yeah. like absolutely slow motion. Yeah. And I'm like, Because oh it's God. dead silence. Yes. So, <laughs> at least for this scene... The organ, organ music kind of made it comical. It, yeah. was, it was a nice, it was a nice touch. Um, so I enjoyed that a lot. Um, and Clive breaks out of his hypnosis, and Bob uh, is like, "Yeah, because Bob's throwing chairs at him." Mm-hmm. <laughs> Poor Clive. He's missing a tooth at this point. I just want to emphasize. Got it pulled out, probably with oh, nothing. Like, yeah, no, like thirty minutes ago. Yeah. This poor man. Clive's the real hero of the story, in case no you all joke. didn't know. Um, so, Clive cr- climbs out the window, and Bob is like, Bob has found out with talking to these criminals that our Albert is Royal Albert Hall. And well, so, yeah, he saw tickets in the guy's coat pocket. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, he basically says, hey, Clive, you need to contact my wife and tell her to go there, because that's where this assassination attempt is happening tonight. Um, and then, um, uh, he escapes and gets to the phone and Peter Laurie's character turns to the woman, you know, in the church and he's like, you better warn her that if she goes, like, her child is dead. Mm-hmm. And Clive actually gets through to her first, the home mm-hmm. line, um, and Jill answers the phone, finds out what's going on at Royal Albert Hall, leaves, and then by the time the bad lady calls... She's gone, and the mm-hmm. housekeeper, you know, answers the phone and is like, Mrs. Lawrence isn't here. She just left. Mm-hmm. But the lady who works for the bad guys doesn't say anything. She doesn't say, like, oh, I wasn't able to tell her. No, she does. Because when she goes back to meet up with them, he's like, did you call her? And she said no. She'd already left. Oh, I missed that part. Oh, yeah. I thought she just straight up, like was like, well, I guess we got to kill her daughter. <laughs> like, no, no, she told I was them. like, cold lady? Okay. Well, also, see, it's so funny. And I don't know if it's just because I, like, lose... I didn't feel like I lost focus during the movie. I felt like I was pretty entertained the whole time. But yeah. I feel like I just miss things because I thought the threat to her going to the hall was that she was going to get killed if she was there. The wife. Okay. Um, and not the daughter. Yeah. Yeah. So, and that 
will play into something that we'll talk about in a little mm. bit. So I can mm-hmm. come back to that. Um, but then also, I really liked the phone scene. I thought that was cool. Like, the way it was edited together by, like, showing both of them calling at the same time. And, like, her answering and both of them saying hello. So we don't know, like, who uh-huh. actually got through. Who got to her. Yeah. And then, like, second time... Like, the second call, I guess, you see a hand. Yeah. And you think it's her again. Yeah. And it's just, it's the pan up, and you know it's the housekeeper. Yeah. There's, like, a little moment of suspense there and unknowing. Mm -hmm. And you're like, oh, maybe, oh. Yeah. She gone. For, like, a 1934 movie. Yeah. I thought it was done really well. Okay, so Jill is at the concert. You're at Royal Albert Hall. And the um, chorus sounds beautiful. And the orchestra sounds beautiful. Mm-hmm. And we, there's like a building nearby that the criminals have like holed up in, like a second floor. They're on the second floor of some apartment, it seems like, mm-hmm. that they've brought everybody to, uh, including Bill. Nope. Bob. Bob. It's Jill <laughs> and Bob. <laughs> Bill and Jill. <laughs> Bill is their couple name. Um, <laughs> Yeah, they've brought Bob and the little girl to this, like, apartment to kind of hold them hostage at this point, and he, you know, Peter Laurie, like, all the good villains, is kind of monologuing, and he's like, see, listen to this orchestra score, this is what they're playing tonight, it'd be so loud, you'll never hear the gunshot over it, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, they, we know, because of that, when to expect the gunshot mm-hmm. and the murder. So we go back to Royal Albert Hall, mm-hmm. and Jill is sitting in the audience. Oh, wait, but she gets a really important oh yeah, sign <laughs> first before she sits down. Yeah, some some guy, quote unquote, we know who, it's the sharpshooter. We uh-huh. see his, he well, turns around and she later. knows him. She though, knows him, too. Because she com- competed against him. Yeah. Um, he, like, bumps into her and puts something in her hand and then walks away, and then when he turns back around, she... And realizes who it is but she looks at it and it's a pin that she'd given betty earlier in the movie like back yeah, when they were on that. vacation Sorry. it's okay <laughs> um and so she's like oh this man has something to do with my daughter's disappearance mm-hmm. and now he's going into the theater and she's probably thinking too bad i didn't shoot him when i had the chance <laughs> <laughs> oh how would you know yeah so she has this pin, and now she's, like, in a panic because she knows this is a bad situation. Uh-huh. Um, and so she sits down, and she knows the man who's going to be assassinated because I think Clive told her over the phone. And she sees where he's sitting. I don't know how she knows him, but, like, there right. he is. And she's watching this, like, shadowy figure. And, of course, the, the guy, he's up in a box, like a, an opera box kind of thing. Mm-hmm. She's down in, like, the orchestra section. And then across the way, like, on the opposite side of the house in another box is this, like, shadowy figure mm-hmm. walking around. And so she's, like, back and forth, you know, this mm-hmm. whole time. And the music is, like, crescendoing mm-hmm. and... Um, we're watching the diplomat or the whoever, the politician yeah. and the shadowy figure and her looking back and forth and it's like this huge build uh-huh. and I think it's a very effective scene. I do too. And then one of my favorite parts of the movie is when she starts to cry because uh-huh. she's sitting there and you know she's thinking, I need to do something but yeah. I don't know what the fuck to do. Right? Yeah. And 
she's sitting there and she starts to cry and we see the shot of the orchestra from the audience and it starts to blur uh-huh. and go out of focus like your eyes do when you cry uh-huh. and um, it blurs completely out of focus into a shot of the gun uh-huh. we finally see the gun for the first time coming through one of the curtains yeah. and I just thought that was an awesome like editing directorial choice mm-hmm. to really put us in the shoes of Jill in that moment right so I loved that so obviously she's watching for the gun so that's why like we get led to the gun through her perspective mm-hmm. so we see the gun coming through and I guess just in a moment of like pure like probably frustration and also panic she just decides to scream yeah she just stands up and screams she stands up and screams <laughs> and apparently at just the right moment because that's when the shot happened mm-hmm. and we do see the diplomat like fall over mm-hmm. and we're like oh shit you know it's there it's done we so after that we cut back to where the bad guys are because they're listening to in the, their apartment yeah concert on the radio yeah the sharpshooter guy comes back and mm-hmm. he's like it's done mm-hmm. but it's not and the yeah so this is interesting this whole scene with Jill is interesting to me because again with somehow me missing things right <laughs> my thought was she was. The threat was if she went to the Albert Hall, she would be killed, right? Oh. Mm-hmm. So she goes there, and the shooter is there. Yeah. So I thought the whole thing was him aiming up at her. <gasps> oh, I see. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I was confused by the the politician that they kept showing. Makes more sense now. But I was like, oh, what okay. does this guy have to do with anything? Got it. I, I thought it was just because he like, kept moving, you know? He kept kind of, like, adjusting in his seat so it would, like, distract her. Oh, okay. So that's why we would see him. But yeah, I thought it was all, like, focused on her and that, you know, Peter Lorre's character was making Bob listen to the concert for the moment his wife was going to get shot. Like, that's what I thought was going to happen. Oh, damn. That, I mean, that's pretty cruel, too. Yeah. But, and then, you know, when she didn't get shot and the other guy did, I was like, well, how could he have missed that badly? <laughs> like, they're not in the same section, so... But yeah, it makes more sense that it was actually the politician. Yeah, I think the sharpshooter, like, had... I mean, he clearly was, like, in cahoots with the criminals, but I also think he kind of got recruited. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know when this happened, but, like, I have a theory that maybe he wasn't with them before the hotel thing. And that they were, like, at the hotel, and they went... When he won the competition, he mm. went, oh, this is our guy. Mm-hmm. And, like, if she had won, things... They would have approached her. Yeah. Would things have gone very differently? I don't know. Right. But, yeah, so we... After the whole screaming thing at the at the Royal Albert Hall, we go back to the criminal's lair, mm-hmm. and there's a broadcast going on. Sharpshooter walks in and says it's done. Mm-hmm. Peter Lorre goes, okay, and then he turns on the radio and... Like, the announcer is like, there's been an interruption at Royal Albert Hall. There was an attempt on this man's life. Mm-hmm. And Peter Lorre's like, attempt? Yeah. And the sharpshooter's like, uh, sorry, that woman's scream was so <laughs> distracting. <laughs> yeah. I was like, okay. Um, so it turns out he didn't die. And nope. 
they, um, she, I forgot about this part. She runs out of the hall after it happens mm-hmm. and super fast because yeah. she knows, um, she, and she like points the police to him. She's like, mm-hmm. he's the one, like he's, he's part of the group doing the assassination or trying, mm-hmm. uh, follow him. And so then of course the sharpshooter leads them back to where all the criminals are. Yep. And then there's this read ridiculous police shootout that lasts for like 20 minutes it was probably more like five but it felt like i mean i would say it was probably 10 between five and 10 minutes long of just this stupid police shootout of like a bunch of police officers running and they am all just getting shot by the bad guys it's like what are we doing dropping like flies (laughs) it was crazy but it turns out fun fact about this scene the shootout um, was based on the Sydney Street Siege, which was a real-life incident that took place in London's East End, where Hitchcock grew up in 1911. So. Huh. And it was not included in Hitchcock's remake. So. Oh. Yeah. One thing that differs a lot. Mm-hmm. There's also, like, the remake is the, it's the son, not the daughter. Yeah. Anyway. But it, that um, shootout was based on a real-life event, so how horrifying. <laughs> yeah. Um, eventually the criminals are like, they are slowly but surely also getting shot. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're doing pretty well for themselves considering there's like five of them and there's yeah. like 40 policemen down there. Yeah. But they also have the advantage of having the higher right. ground since they're on the second story. But anyway, eventually everybody gets shot and, um, Bob like uses a, a bullet hole in a door, the, yeah. the room he's locked in, to like smash through the door and then unlock it from outside. Kinda. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And he knows where his daughter's being kept, so he runs upstairs and he finds her. And of course, Betty is so relieved he's there. And this isn't the first time they've seen each other. Like they brought Betty down after mm-hmm. they like took the dad hostage, so she knows her dad's there. But then they've separated yeah, them again. Of course, yeah. So, so the criminals at one point are talking about using the little girl, like as a, like a hostage. Yeah. Thing. So yeah. kind of as an I would I assumed as like a negotiation, mm-hmm. like you know if I bring her out as my shield, they won't shoot me, or like yeah. you know you can have the girl if you let us go, like that yeah. kind of thing. So they were looking for her, and I don't like. Um, they get to this, like, staircase in mm-hmm. this flat, and the dad is, of course, trying to protect her, and so they get, he, like, gets her up on the roof because they can't go downstairs, because mm-hmm. the building's getting shot at from, like, right. every angle, so he's like, go up to the roof, and we'll get away that way, so she's climbing through the roof, and sharpshooter mm-hmm. shoots um, her Bob, dad, yeah. and he falls down before he can get on the roof, mm-hmm. and the, like, again... The, the practical effects of this movie were really not bad. Um, he falls over and he's been shot in the wrist for some reason. This sharpshooter sucks. <laughs> he, <laughs> he had his entire back. The whole back of, of Bob was to him and he shot his wrist somehow. Or he's really good. <laughs> he's, he's obviously a, either a terrible shot or I, a really great shot. I suppose it would be really hard to climb, like lift yourself up on a roof without the, like without a hand. Yeah. I mean. But I'm just surprised he didn't just, like, shoot to kill him. Because sure. they just wanted the little girl. Yeah, no, the like. dad they could have done without. Yeah. I don't I don't know why they're. But he falls backwards and we see him, you know, kind of roll over. And we see, like, 
this pretty effective like pool of blood coming out of his wrist it's it's kind of it was kind of icky somehow again I somehow you missed that which i feel like you'd probably be happy about i was watched like i was watching it (laughs) and like the reason i first thought it was his hand or something was because that was kind of like what was in focus in the shot when he was Uh like falling down Uh but then i was like well that's weird why would you how could it get his wrist when it looks like he it looked like he got shot in the back from the way he fell and everything yeah that's what i thought too until it like he turned over and his wrist was bleeding and i was like oh oh okay i do also wonder because the sharpshooter at this point he'd already said to peter laurie's character like i'm done like i'm done with this he did that's right and then the the sister of the church or whatever was like no yeah. you can't be you've like pledged to our cause or whatever and then she gets shot yep so I, maybe he's like i'm done with this like i don't want to do this anymore that's why i kind of wonder if they just recruited him at the hotel and like offered him a huge sum of money you know right. it, i wonder if he wasn't part of this like cult or whatever they were yeah you know if he was just like oh i'm here for the money and then i'm done and walking away from these people yeah and of course it got way out of hand and he's like fuck this right and so maybe that's why he just shot bob's wrist and she's like no (laughs) i never thought about that but then unfortunately so then (laughs) we're we're up on the roof in this very tense moment and he's got a gun pointed at Betty and Betty's like on the roof line mm-hmm. and he's reaching out for her because he, you know, he knows he needs to bring her back in to be basically used as collateral. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we see the police down below and they're watching this whole scene and there's a police officer with a, a gun and he's like, it's just too far away. I can't shoot him. I'm afraid I'm going to shoot her I'm by accident. Mm-hmm. And the mom is like running up and she's like, give me that gun. <laughs> Oh, didn't she say that? No. No. <laughs> but she's like, grabs it. And she's like, uh, I'll do it because I'm a sharpshooter too. Did you know? And it all kind of comes back full circle. Yeah. And she shoots this guy who she lost the competition to at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, shit. <laughs> so then he falls off the roof and is very obviously dead. Uh. The police storm the building because the mastermind, Peter Laurie, is like the last one standing. Yeah. He's hiding behind a door, and we, like, slowly see everyone's gun, like, point towards the door when they start to hear the commotion behind the door. And mm-hmm. it's just Peter Laurie basically pulling out his gun to commit suicide. Yep. And then we hear the shot, and they swing the door open, and he falls down. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually, I did kind of like the that scene, the way that was done with the guns, like, slowly pointing, and then the gunshot and revealing uh-huh. And you don't have to see it. It just... Then he falls over. Yeah. And the gun is, like, pointed at his head. Yep. So... so you know what happened. You know what happened. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I didn't realize this, but according to Wikipedia, it says he's hiding behind the door, but he's betrayed by the chiming of his watch. Is that what that was? I was yes. going to ask you, what the heck is that bell ringing that happened multiple times in the movie apparently his watch okay going off because i remember it happening a few other times so that's what gave him away at the end of the day and why he died i just never correlated it to him yeah so if his watch hadn't gone off he probably wouldn't have killed himself then maybe yeah he might have just hidden until they like got the family out and the police left the building Mm -hmm. and then ran away but his watch betrayed him. I can't hear the bus. Oh. <laughs> That's ironic. We've been singing that. Well, that got stuck in my head with the last bell chime in the movie. Yeah. And I just saw uh, that play. 
so. Yep. It's bound to happen. So, he's dead. He's dead. We see Bob is fine, of course, very injured, I'm sure. He's, like, on the stairs when the police storm the building, like, half passed out, which is valid, because, mm-hmm. I mean, he got shot in the wrist. He's probably losing a lot of blood. Yeah. And he was trying to climb, like, back up the stairs to get to, get to his daughter. Oh, yeah. And then the, the mom is coming up with the police, and poor Betty, like, is coming back into this apartment, you know, from the roof. and. Yeah. This little actress, is, I thought, was pretty good because this moment of, like, hesitation when she was mm-hmm. coming back into this place where she was held hostage was, like, pretty convincing. She mm-hmm. looked, like, visibly, like, shaking, like, upset. You know, of course. Who wouldn't be? But I was kind of glad it wasn't, like, the stereotypical, like, oh, mom, dad, I'm safe now. Like, you could mm-hmm. tell this is, like, a traumatized child and she's going to have to work on a lot of trust issues now. But... Basically, she hugs her mom, and it's the end. It's the end. I do wonder if she hadn't begged to go to dinner that night, if she would have been kidnapped. I don't know. Hard to say. It's like, when did they get her? Like, on her way back to the room, or did they, like, get into her room? If she would have been in the room already, maybe they wouldn't have had a chance to get her. She would have been, like, in a locked room. Who knows? There's a lot of moments, I feel like, where this story could have, like, diverged in different ways. Mm Mm-hmm. Um... Also, according to this Wikipedia article, um, there is, like, this group of people, this group of, like, radicals who wanted to kill this politician is part of a sun-worshipping cult. Oh. So, they were some sort of religious crazies. There you go. So. So. Yes. So, yeah, that was The Man Who Knew Too Much. Yeah. Overall, what'd you think? I enjoyed it. Apparently, I didn't pay close enough attention to it. Because I had a whole other story going on in my head. That's funny. (laughs) I actually think, like, we've watched a couple British Hitchcock films now. um, And we've watched some of the ones that, like, people say are the best. Like, The 39 Mm -hmm. Steps, The Lady Vanishes. Mm -hmm. Those are the two we've watched, right? Mm -hmm. I liked The Lady Vanishes. Mm -hmm. I liked both of them. But, like, I... I feel like this story, I, I, for some reason, was just able to understand this one a lot better. And I think part of that was because of that, especially that, that scene where that Secret Service guy explains in, like, black and white, here's the information you have and why it's significant. And so then it was like, oh. And so there wasn't really a point where I was like, wait, what is going on again? Because, like, I feel like we actually had it explained to us pretty well. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I like this one a lot. I do think that was a point where I kind of lost a little bit of focus. Because <laughs> I felt like he was talking a lot. Was he like, was talking okay. a lot. Like, what's going on? <laughs> a lot. Like, you could have conveyed the same information in many less sentences. <laughs> but. Yeah. Um, so just to call back to the beginning, I did find a quote from Aladdin (laughs) that literally says, Genie turns into a cross between Slimy Genie and Peter Lorre. (gasps) Good job, Rule number three. I can't bring people back from the dead. It's not a pretty picture. I don't like doing it. Mm -hmm. But he does the voice. So that's where I recognize Peter Lorre from. Thanks, Aladdin. R.I.P. Robin Williams. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, fun fact about Peter Lorre in this movie, it was his second English language film, 
um, followed by M, like which is the movie he's known for the most, where he plays a serial killer. Mm. Um, but he still didn't speak English. So all the lines we heard him speak, he learned phonetically. Like, he just learned oh. to make the noises. Wow. I mean, I'm sure he spoke a little English, but, like, he wasn't fluent yet. Yeah. Can you imagine? No. I, I'm very impressed mm-hmm. with that performance. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. What did you think? I liked it. It was actually, I would say, I would put it potentially even above the other two Hitchcock movies that we watched. Um, I was kind of thinking that. I think I still like Lady Vanishes yeah, a little bit more. That's what I was thinking. But, like, it's funny. Everyone, like, lauds the 39 Steps as, like, his best British film. And I'm like, that's probably my least favorite out of the ones I've seen. Maybe we're so just far. not sophisticated enough. No, we suck. We need, <laughs> we need action and drama and things spelled out for us. <laughs> yeah. I will say one thing that I noticed that I feel like was also true for the other two films that we watched uh-huh. was um the the movie just like gets started like there's no uh-huh like establishing shots really ever it's like i'm so used to a movie beginning with like um some exposition or at least like establishing a location mm-hmm. with some wide shots and stuff no the movie just freaking starts and you're like where are we and who are these people and that's probably my biggest complaint about some of the british films it's just like we're just rolling right ahead and i feel like i don't have a damn clue where what's going on mm-hmm. and that's pretty much how this movie started too mm-hmm. yep we were just on a ski slope yep with these like people that it felt like we were supposed to know who they are and we were like who are these people mm-hmm. and that's how how it's felt with all of these movies <laughs> <laughs> so yeah other than that you know, um, and that really, there was just, there were some strange moments, um, in the movie, like that dentist fighting scene was ridiculous, but there were some, like, funny moments, too, the chairs. Chairs was funny. The singing, honestly, was kind of strange, but yeah. funny. They were, like, singing to each other to the tune of what everyone else in the church was singing. Yeah. That was a little weird. Uh, Shut up, darling. Shut up, darling. Yeah. <laughs> the way they talked to their daughter was kind of wild. Yeah. I mean, they just... I mean, the dad said to her, shut up, darling. Mm-hmm. And then... What do you say later? Like, soon after that? <laughs> something remember. else very insulting to say to your daughter. Oh, I think he called her, like, fat or something. Right? Oh. Didn't I he, like, that. say... Like, I don't remember. It was not good. It was not good. And the mom was saying in front of her how, like, the daughter cost her the competition. Uh-huh. And, like... Or, no, she said it before. She's like, if I lose this competition, I'm going to disown her. Yeah. She'd say that. <laughs> what is happening? Listen, um, maybe that was just to, you know, emphasize how grateful they were to have her back and how now they're going to treat her better. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I I don't know, but I also felt like there were some really creative moments, like, movie making wise, Mm -hmm. that like, crying one, with the Mm -hmm. using the focus really stood out for me, and then I thought that the acting on pretty much everyone's part was really good Mm -hmm. and pretty natural, even like Peter Laurie who couldn't speak English, which is just amazing. The Mm -hmm. little girl was good. The mom was great. The dad did a good job. So, 
Mm-hmm. None of it felt like really forced acting. Mm-mm. Yeah. I liked it a lot. I liked it too. Mm-hmm. Did you get Alfred Hitchcock's cameo? Oh, no. I nope. forgot. Apparently, he appears 33 minutes into the film. He can be seen crossing the street from right to left in a black trench coat before Bob and Clive enter the chapel. It's always... I think it's always him crossing the street. Yeah, no. He's just... He's, he's just a, an extra. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's not doing anything significant in most of his cameos. Right. So. No, I actually forgot to look for him. I think I momentarily forgot it was a Hitchcock film, honestly. Like, when we first started watching. Yeah. Yeah. So I forgot to, like, be on the lookout for him. Sure. That's fair. Oh, did we give the other ones a rating? I can't remember. I was actually trying to think if we did that or not. I mean, we can just rate this one. I'd give... In case we did. Should we do it at the same time? Oh, my God. Is this what we're going to do now? Okay, yeah. Let me think of what my rating's going to be. So our official rating for this movie is... One, two, three... 8.5. 8.5. Out of 10. Whoa. <laughs> well. 8.5. Yeah. That's pretty good. That's a ringing endorsement. I know. Well, it's because I can't... If we did rate the other ones, I can't remember what I rated them, but I feel like I didn't rate them under a 6, probably. Yeah. And if I liked this one the best... Yeah. It needs to have a higher rating. <laughs> yeah. I think that for me, I am unfortunately always comparing his... One of his works to others, you know, uh, so in my, I'm like, oh, but the, the oh, there's a lot of Hollywood movies that I feel like are so much better. Not that this is a bad movie. And I know it's because he got better as a director yeah. and had more resources in Hollywood. So it's not like these are bad movies. Yeah. They just were made under very different circumstances. Also, I just remember that I said I like The Lady Vanishes better than this one. Yeah. So... I don't know. Whatever I rated, the lady vanishes. Take off like a point. If we rated them. If we rated them. We can't them. remember. No. <laughs> but there's just a look into how horrible my memory is, everyone. Welcome. <laughs> well, anyway, any uh, any final thoughts on The Man Who Knew Too Much, 1934? <laughs> I don't think so. No. No. I enjoyed it. Good. I got one more fun fact. Now you can move on to tea. Okay. The film was banned in Norway in January 1935 without citing any other reason, any reason other than issuing the following statement. The film above is not approved for public viewing in Norway, period. Okay, cool. So, Norwegians didn't like it. Good reasoning. I, mm mm-hmm. So, yeah, anyway, that's the man who knew too much. Let's review our teas. Teas. I believe I went first. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, I had the freshness of current and aronia tea um, from One Thousand One Civet. I'm assuming it's a herbal tea, and um, it was it's really good. Um, I don't know quite how to explain the flavor. It's kind of like blackberry uh, with a little cranberry. Um, it's like a little more. It's like if, if you had like a sour blackberry. Okay, hmm. I, I don't know. Um, it's good though. I think it would be really. It might be yummy with milk. I say that about everything. <laughs> um, I am not crazy about it though. Mm-hmm. I would give it like a. Like a. 
I guess seven out of ten. I was almost gonna say six and a half. It's not like it's bad though. I just am not. I. It's not like delicious. Did you get the tongue puckering combination of very tart apple, unsweetened black cherry, and very dry red wine <laughs> from the Aronia? I honestly feel like there is definitely a tartness element to it. So I'm getting a tartness, which is why I said cranberry, because I feel like that's what I think of when I think of a really tart berry. Huh. Um, you said seven? Yeah. But it's mostly like a... I'm getting like blackberry. That's the first thing I'm thinking of. Mm. So, Did it dry your mouth out? A little bit. Mm-hmm. So good old red wine. Right. Yeah. Oh, apparently, Aronia or chokeberries. They uh-huh. get the name chokeberries because they, they dry your mouth. You? They dry your mouth out. Okay. <laughs> that sounds delicious. Doesn't it? <laughs> okay. Well, how was your magic cranberry, Taylor? My magic cranberry tea from One Thousand One Svet. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. I finished it. I mean, I was kind of chugging it at the end because it was getting cold, <laughs> but I finished it. Um, it it really gave me like Christmassy vibes, honestly. Oh, really? Yeah. I don't think of cranberry in Christmas. Hmm. <laughs> I don't know, but that's the vibes I got from it. Um, honestly, I was thinking like, I wonder if I can order this. Well, I have the company pulled up if you want it. <laughs> yeah, I just don't know how much it would be. But I think I would probably give this like a 9 out of 10. I would 1,000% drink this again. Cool. That's that's a very ringing endorsement. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. So. So thanks, Vacation, for giving us fun teas to try. Yeah, thank you all. Shout out to our Airbnb host in Ljubljana. Yeah. Whatever. She was super cool. Her name was. <laughs> God. <laughs> Maybe she doesn't want to be outed on here. There so. you go. Okay. Well. That was our review of Alfred Hitchcock's The Man Who Knew Too Much from 1934. Mm-hmm. Um, you can follow us on Instagram at Not Amused Podcast, where we post every other Wednesday and every Sunday when an episode comes out. You can also email us at notamusedpodcast at gmail.com. We'd really appreciate any emails uh-huh. from any listeners. Anybody? Is there anyone out there? Hello? <laughs> And it doesn't have to be comments, questions, concerns, topic ideas. It could just be, hello. Good day. Good day. Yeah, that's it, right? I think so. (laughs) Thanks for listening. Thank you, everybody. And we'll see you in two weeks. Okay, thank you. Bye. Bye.